0: On this week in sales, we're going to be taking a look at Gong and outreach, raising a crap ton of money and what that means for the sales industry. We're going to be looking at if you should swear at work and much, much, much more. Well, probably not that much more because it's a bit of a slow week in news, but me and Victor will will fill you in regardless. My name is Will Barron. I'm the founder of salesman.org. And joining me, co host of this show, via the power of the internet plus Skype, Victor freaking antonio sales legend victor how's it going
1: man it is going good will hey i'm doing well but i got a question for you i said how did the hubspot event go for you i mean you were like you know keynote speaker there virtually talking about how'd that go for you man
0: i think it went well there was tons and tons of questions to the point of I was having struggle. I was struggling to read the questions before they were going, and like scrolling off the screen. So uh, I haven't had much feedback from the spot crew. So it even went really well that they don't need to give me any feedback or it went terrible. And they just want to disown me and, and move as far away from me as possible. But I'm assuming it went well. Tons of people added me on LinkedIn after the fact. You may be watching this video right now. You may be a new subscriber to salesman.org and, and Victor Antonio's YouTube channel and, and podcast channel on the back of it. So if you are, I appreciate you. I appreciate the attention. And I, I think it went pretty well. That was, it was a talk about podcasting very specifically as opposed to sales, but there was tons of salespeople that listened and there was tons of sales and content marketing questions on, I'm a salesperson. Should I do a podcast? Should I create content? What should I be doing? And so hopefully they added a little bit of value there.
1: Yeah. Well, two questions. One, I think, or one statement first. I think we should do an episode just on that. You know, sales and podcasting, advantages, disadvantages, branding. Question Are they going to have that available online
0: for folks to see? I think if you've already signed up, it is out there. I've recorded a another high quality version of it uh, on our end. And so I'm going to see if you might not let me. But I'm going to see if I can share it uh, at some point as well and just. We'll do some kind of promotion and push people back to uh, yeah, the back yeah. to the, the main uh, event hub. But the event was awesome. It was really well done. Um, I th- we touched on it before the on last week's show, before the event itself, the actual like virtual landscape that you could click around and go and see all the exhibitors and uh, view the keynotes. I saw it, by the way. I actually yeah. logged in
1: to see the, the it virtual. Cool, right? It was very cool. It, it was interesting how you could just click all these different locations on this virtual
0: yeah, landscape. Mm-hmm. It was really well done. That That was so well done. HubSpot and the the Grow team absolutely killed it. So yeah, I think it went well. And uh, we'll see when uh, we get some more feedback moving forward. Kudos to HubSpot. Way to go. Way to go. Cool. Well, with that, Victor, tell us about another sales SaaS organization that is literally blowing up right now. I believe in your intro, you
1: said raising a crap ton of money. I've never heard it phrased that way. Most people say ton of money or crap load of money, but never a crap ton of money. So here is an article written by Kyle Wiggers, AI-powered sales enablement platform, Gong, who we love here at, at, at This weekend. Sales, uh, raises 250000000 Okay, million. I I'm just going to pause there. And just say 250 million will. Yeah, let that one sit there in silence for a second. And Enterprise Sales and Day One platform, gong.io today raised 250 million in series e-funding, uh, e-funding round, valuing the company, valuing the company at 7.25 billion with a B more than triple its previous valuation of $2.2 billion. Let me pause there, Will. Anything to add on that
0: little note? Just to put that number in context, you could give 250 employees quarter of a million dollars a year in salary for four years with that influx of cash <laughs> that they've got you you'd be <laughs> if you like couldn't him. build a successful business on the back of that many people with a pretty decent salary over a four-year period mm. then you know you you've you, you've lost the game right it, almost by default with that amount of cash you should be I suppose you've got you' got to earn more cash than what's given to you right you've got an IPO there's got to be a bigger exit for the investors like a 10 times exit right uh, to be fair to, to be fair to my analogy but that is a craps sort on of a money, Victor, that that's a, that's you a can crap build incredible things with. Oh, it's
1: amazing. Anyway, CEO, co-founder, and my personal friend, Amit Bendoff. Okay, I kind of stretched the personal friend thing, <laughs> but I did interview Amit. Uh, says the new capital, which brings Gong's total raised uh, total raised number to $584 million will put to- be put towards product development, hiring, and customer acquisition. 46% of b2b sales reps list lead quantity and quality as their top challenge talk about a layup statement there of course that's perhaps why gartner predicts that by 2025 60 percent of b2b sales organizations will transition from experience and intuition-based selling to data-driven selling there it is victor antonio was proven right again we're moving towards the science of selling you will as i recall on several occasions have doubted, is it the veracity, the validity of science-driven sales? I'm
0: not sure if that's accurate,
1: which well, is ironic is, when you're talking about data. A, yeah, What say you will, because you're always questioning AI, and sure. this is the AI-powered tool here.
0: So somebody believes to, in So uh, I don't want to run circles around this, on a, on the the, here the we go, episode bugs. in the show, right? Is Buckle it AI powered or is it machine learning? Is it natural language processing and then sussing out what people said when they said it, right? To, to be fair, my be in the bonnet is about AI, um, not about science, not about, you know, I'm a published scientist, Victor. I've had a publication in the Journal of Computational Chemistry. Now, I was just a dog's body doing very basic work and the uh, professor like roped me in to get my name in the publication. I'm a published scientist, Victor.
1: You know, having said all that, the only question I have is, what do you mean you're a dog's body? I've never heard that phrase. A dog's, dog's body, body. Uh,
0: like the like the bitch, like running around making <laughs> cups of tea and um, <laughs> running running these simulations on uh, on the on the servers for the You know, we're, we're like
1: uh, we're only like five seven minutes into this podcast, it's already gone off the rails, man. So. <laughs>
0: oh. I uh, love but it. you, but you don't think that number's low. Sixty percent of B two B sales organizations will transition from experience mm. and intuition based selling to data driven selling. Yeah. Why is that one hundred percent? And why wasn't it seven years ago? That's a good
1: question. I would agree with you on that. That's it, I it? would agree because I, I, I think, yeah, I think the number should be higher. That more people should be moving towards data driven selling. Uh, by the way, let me continue on. They, uh, this means merging their sales process, sales applications, sales data, and sales analytics into a single operational practice. The stakes are high, given that the, uh, that suboptimal and delayed leads can have catastrophic effects. Now, let me pause here. Here comes a data point, people, and then we'll watch a reaction on this one. Harvard BizRef Review found that there is a 10 times drop in lead qualification when reps wait longer than five minutes to respond, and a 400% decrease when they respond within 10 minutes versus five minutes. Now, I've seen that number bantied about uh, quite a bit.
0: What do you think of that in terms of getting back to people right away? Well, this is, I don't think this is really sales. I think when we're talking about numbers like this, this is customer service. If I want an instant reply from assuming an online form or um, I call a number and be like, oh, we'll call you back and blah, 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 I'm not really expecting to speak to a high level, complex B2B salesperson who's going to do some consulting on the phone. I'm I'm trying to change my phone tariff or plan or cancel something. So, you know, those numbers are less interesting to me uh, than perhaps what it could seem on the surface.
1: Yeah. I you know, I don't buy these numbers. I actually buy Dale Prale's number over at VanillaSoft. The CRO over at VanillaSoft because they did a study and I was all about, you know, within 5 minutes or less than 5 minutes, you know, you'll get a, a higher response rate. But he that not he, the company VanillaSoft did a study. And I don't remember off the top of my head, but he said the sweet spot to returning call was like 30 to 60 minutes. Anything before that seemed a little desperate, I guess, but 30 to 60 minutes seemed to be the sweet spot based on this, long, I mean, it was a large
0: sample size, not small, but getting back Let, let me just to, stop in there for a second because yeah. I think this is a great point when I, I know mm. the audience is at me, me talking about this idea of salespeople needing to become experts and even just somewhat known within your space, right? if I am trying to invest some capital, whatever it is, and I go on Berkshire Hathaway's website and I get a note back saying Warren Buffett is going to call me in two months, I'm ecstatic about the turnaround time on that. I don't care that it's two months because freaking Warren Buffett's going to call me back. He's going to return my call. So I think this applies to the point where people are in the buying process. If I'm just after some information, if I'm after pricing or whatever it is, perhaps I do want a five, 10-minute phone call, uh, uh, response rate on my call because I'm just doing some data gathering. If I'm ready to make, uh, or if I need some complex consulting and I'm unsure about this, this, and this, and how it fits in with our ecosystem, the, the API compatibility, um, software layering platforms, whatever it is, whether it's physically the unit's going to fit in our on our building, then I'm probably happy to wait 24 hours to speak to a product expert or a sales expert and have a more in-depth conversation. So a lot of this is context dependent and a lot of these numbers come about from companies trying to push the narrative of the product that they sell, basically.
1: So if we zoom back and you look at this, this money raised by Gong, it's $250 million. So now up to this point, almost $600 million invested in this company. And so, valuation is seven point two five billion. You know, what are your th- what are your thoughts, Will? I mean, when you look at this company, and we've talked about that, is it AI? Is it really machine learning? I, I'm, I'm I'm actually on your side as much as I give you shit about this, uh, because I think it is AI. I think it's more predictive analytics than anything else yep. than machine learning. Uh, but yet, what do you think companies are seeing? What do you think these investment companies are seeing? Are
0: they looking at a Salesforce, for example, and say, Hmm? this could be the next sales force. I think Gong, and we'll come on to another organization in a second, would like to think that, and they, they paint that in the narrative. The problem is, do you need Gong to succeed? Uh, well, you need you probably need some kind of CRM to succeed. Is, is Gong 100% necessary? Well, perhaps with a bit more legwork, with some more manual work, Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's more effective than hiring a, a bunch more managers to, or to, or sales engineers to review calls and, and give feedback. But I'm not sure if it's the new Salesforce because Salesforce invented. Have you read the, uh, Peter Thiel's book Zero to One? A great book, highly recommend it. He talks about this idea of the best startups go from nothing to something. So Salesforce went from. Uh, you know, like, like with Dyson, all these amazing brands where they go into a, a marketplace and they create their own niche, their own category. And now we call Hoover's, well, Hoover is a brand name as well. Vacuum cleaners, we call them Hoover's, we call them Dyson's. Well, that happened with Salesforce. They went to the marketplace and said, hey, everyone has a CRM system with an on-site engineer if the company's big enough and it costs a crap ton of money to maintain. We can do it in the cloud, cheaper, better, faster, automatic updates, all this stuff. They They invented a new category. I'm not sure... And I'd be happy to be proven otherwise by someone from Gong educate me on this. right? I love Gong as a great brand, um, but I'm not sure they're inventing something here. They are basically taking a job that is already being done, which is reviews of phone calls and, and feedback from phone calls and automating it. I'm not sure if that is going from zero to one. It's awesome, but I'm not sure if it's zero to one like what Salesforce did.
1: I agree with you 100% because I'm also saying, well, I mean, is it, why can't Salesforce build this into their system, right? As part of a bolt in, into their system. But also it's like, as I'm thinking about that, so maybe we're missing something. So maybe I, at least I'm going to go, I'm going to go and look at this a little deeper. I'm going to go see what they really have. And wh- I, I guess I'm, I, I feel uncomfortable right now because I agree with you. I'm eye to eye with you on this. But part of me is saying, are we missing something? Because these guys, because we're not the smartest guys in the room. The guys who are throwing money at these people probably yeah. are. And
0: I go, what are we missing? So anyway. Well, stuff like this, Victor, um, we, we wrap up mm. this segment with this, because we're going to have a similar segment in mm. a second. But it could just be user acquisition. They've just sussed out the key to bringing on a ton of customers for cheap, because it is so sexy, because sexy, the brand is so good. Um, like Gong is a company, is a really cool company. They're pumping out tons of cool research that seemingly other brands, we say this, other brands could do this. But they aren't doing it for whatever reason, so investors might just see this hockey stick of growth, which everyone's after, right? As an investor, and they go, okay, we get in here. We know they're going to IPO. They're on. They've got a great track record. They've got a great board. Um, they're going to do this, and so we're happy to throw money at it. Uh, it's almost a, a proven success at this point. So it could be that uh, you know people are pushing just on the the, the traction that they have.
1: Yeah, you said something key there, that is client acquisition, right? And maybe they have so many clients that they got up early on, that that data is gonna be sold into the secondary market or tertiary market, whatever it may be. And maybe that's where the real value is, not so much in the company's software, but in the data,
0: the asset itself. It could just that be that they are, hmm. they are the market leaders it's mm. going to be a big market that they think. Uh, eventually, we'll be commoditized. The price will come mm. down to the fact that everyone it'll just become ubiquitous. Everyone will have something similar, um, like you know Salesforce and, and CRMs and, and HubSpot and CRMs. Uh, everyone has a CRM. There's tons of them about. Well, if you're the market leader in that space, you have intrinsic value, the brand uh, associated with that, and so these investors just go, "Hey, it's a you know it's it's the winning horse at this point. Let's just let's just get on the." Uh, there's probably some analogy there. Get on, get on the horse before it <laughs> bolts or whatever. Yeah, 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 something like that. All right. <laughs>
1: speaking of horses
0: bolting, that was was. Uh, am I supposed to do something with that transition? Thinking about horses bolting—that's Victor's credibility as a <laughs> presenter, right there at that transition. We're going to talk about Vidyard. This was sent in as a press release to uh, This Week in Sales, so uh, thisweekinsales.com. If you've got any press releases, if you've got something we'd like to, you'd like us to talk about on the show, head over to This Week in Sales and fill out the form there. Vidyard. Is now integrating with LinkedIn messaging. So, Vidyard has, I won't go through all the bump on here because I use it myself. Uh, Vidyard has a a Chrome plugin and now integrates directly with the messaging system within LinkedIn. So, you can create not just a selfie video, which is seemingly what's going around and being effective on LinkedIn right now, you can use Vidyard's products to do a, a screen grab have slides on the screen, have your voice, have your face, and then insert that into a LinkedIn message. And it's very effective, seamless, and they're doing a great job. And there's a couple of things that came on the back of this press release as well. So that was the big headline. It now integrates with LinkedIn. But I thought this was interesting as well. Premium partners, such as The Rain Group, Sales Gravy, Your Man, Jeblund, Blunt, Corporate Visions, Sandler are all part of the launch of a new program, which includes other sales trainers, uh, tons of them in here that we've we've both interviewed and, and spent time with in in different kind of podcasts and bits of content that we've created. They're now using these and uh, hesitant to use the word leverage, but they're basically leveraging these groups, these individuals, to promote Vidyard and the are building. Uh, I don't know if it's an affiliate network. I don't know if these brands are getting paid to promote Vidyard on signups or something like that um but yeah they're leveraging this already built community of sales experts sales trainers sales training organizations sales consulting organizations uh, to promote the product and i thought that was the most interesting thing about all of this never mind the integration leveraging this network which i've talked about on the show i think is massively underutilized as a as a network as a as a tool to get your message out there um, they seem to be doing a good job because there's a bunch of names on here that you and I uh, both know mm-hmm. and, um, and respect. Why why so. are we
1: on there? We probably get more traffic than many <laughs> of these folks. That's we can, we could probably get more. Anyway, but you know, I want I want to ask you a question. The only because I'm seeing it coming into my inbox, I'm getting all these video messages now. Like I'm just sick of them. You know, it, there, there's a, like anything else. Uh, when you know point of entry, it's original. You're like, yeah, let me check out the video. Now I'm getting so many intro videos. Hey, Victor, went to your website, da-da-da. Made this video just for you. And I gotta be honest, I just delete it. You know, I'm like, because I don't want to watch the video, because then I gotta make a two, three minute, two or three minute commitment. I don't want to do that. And so what are your thoughts on that? Is it just me? Do I have like video burnout? Nope.
0: It's me. I've talked about this on the Sales and Podcast. I can't remember who it was, but we did a whole show on audio messages on LinkedIn. I can't remember the dude's name now. Who was it? It might come to me in a minute. And he had great data on the fact of 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 the success rate of his consulting company using them uh, on behalf of like as a lead generation organization, right? And I told him when I first got a few of them, I was like, I feel like I I feel social pressure to listen to this because it might be something important. I might miss something. I feel like someone's made a bit of an effort for me. I feel like a bit of a dick if I don't listen to it and give a quick response, whether it's a yes, no, or you know whatever it is. And then same with video messages. Oh, this person's made a bit of an effort here. I feel, again, this social pressure to respond. Now I don't care at all. If it's not someone I know, <laughs> the, if it's not someone I'm going to be interested in. Importantly, and this is a, a tip for anyone who, who's listening now, who is in sales, if you're a, a quota carrier and you're using uh, social selling to drive attention and get leads, to gather leads, please put a bit of text either side of your a, a voicemail or video message, so that I know the gist of what it is. Because if you send me just a video, I'm not going to open it. I've not got time. If there's a little bit of text, if there's a bit of a, a bit of copywriting going in here, of you'll enjoy this because of one, two, three, or this is relevant for you, and this is going to solve this problem in this method, then I'm way more likely to consume the content. But yeah, that social pressure to consume stuff on LinkedIn is gone now. It's been burnt out. It's Gary Vaynerchuk. I said, agree. I agree. Mark's has ruined everything and must <laughs> have ruined everything for good salespeople phrase. again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still I still see people saying, hey, use videos to connect with people. I get it, but, but I think, you know, we have to think about where, where you use it now in the actual sales process or sales cadence, right? I think as an intro, maybe not so good. I think maybe after first contact or second contact and just say, based on our conversation, here's what I found and maybe I'll watch the video, but I don't know. I'm I'm feeling the burnout also without any regard now to wanting to respond. I used to feel that social pull Mm -hmm. to kind of watch it or something. Now I don't, I'm like, like, delete. Because, and then you know some of the messages are just cheesy and they're all sales pitches.
0: Yep. Know, what, so. so what I like is a, a few lines of, hey, you're going to like this because of this. Here's the benefit you're going to get. And then a video not saying, hey, my name's Will Barron. You probably like our sales training over at Salesman.org. You are a B2B sales manager or leader, aren't you? I've been on your LinkedIn profile. Um, instead, we're, I you know, encourage you to share some kind of content, something that's going to be valuable. Well, use your video to highlight parts of the content as it's being sent over to walk the person through the bit of content, say, hey, this is going to be useful. Go to page three, four, five, mm-hmm. uh, 27. And, uh, and right. let me know if you find that useful. I can follow up with some more resources if you if you, you know, if you you get value from this. A video like that is way better and way more effective with the tech side of it, pointing people to why they should... Watch, selling people on watching the video than... Hi, my my name is Bob, and I've got this thing that you probably don't care about, but I've been told to send you this message because someone, because uh, this week in sales six months ago said you should probably do it.
1: Yeah, I like uh, you. You triggered me. I, I was interviewing, uh, I think oh, I forgot Sobchak, for, uh, Art Sobchak, who wrote the book Smart Selling, Smart Calling, and in there he had a line which I really loved, which is when you reach out to people after you've had the initial discussion. Here's like a sales tip for the day type of thing. His his line was you know, I've been thinking about what we talked about. I've done some research on this specific topic. I said, here's what I found. I put it in the video.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, okay, that would hook me. Because yeah. now there's there's like, you know, I know you really, re- when you, somebody says, I've thought about it, I've researched it, and I've put this together for you, that would compel me to watch it. Now, part two of this crap ton of money uh event we got going here uh outreach closes 200 million dollars in their funding round uh, article written by kelly Lindenau that was published in financial news outreach a sales engagement plant and intelligence platform close 200 million dollars in uh found funding round, specializing and optimizing the customer journey across the entire life cycle Uh, Outreach promotes collaboration at scale. I don't want to read that. With the added funding, Outreach plans to scale its sales and marketing organization. Nothing new there as well. The new funding round follows two years of remarkable growth for the the customer optimization platform. In 2019, Outreach secured 114 in Series E funding, which brought its total to, again, a valuation of $1.1 billion at the time. And they earned, my favorite line, unicorn status, you know. (laughs) And just last year, the company reached fifty million dollars in funding run. The latest valuation, I think, it was in here four point four billion dollars, three billion behind uh, Gong. But do you see a difference in the product? Because I see similar products here competing. So, but what we're now starting to see, well, tell me if you agree with me. We're starting we're starting to see some front runners now. You know, with Gong and Outreach. What do you think?
0: I'd still say they're in a different <clears throat> market segments. I'd say Gong is doing a conversation mm-hmm. analysis on proactive outreach. Mm-hmm. Outreach.io is doing, and they do they do crossover, but more focused on cadences and data on the back of how to effectively do that outreach at scale. So I'd I'd say the similar space, but different products. You could definitely use both products together, and they have some similar features. But Victor, would it annoy you? If you if you're an exec uh, outreach and you just done this massive funding round and Gong goes and beats you to the amount of cash,
1: yeah, that would that would piss me that off. That would annoy me as well. No, no, that's no, probably no, why no, we're no, not I, executive I, in these companies because we're, we're petty and <laughs> and and, uh, and well, like, focused why do on they other have to Yeah, but I think they announced after Gong. But yeah, that would kind of get to me also. But nonetheless, it's it's a good uh, that's a good indication. There's money being thrown into these enablement platforms.
0: I want to know what makes someone, not someone, what, well, what makes someone a unicorn? What makes a, a, a company a unicorn? Is that just yeah. self-diagnosed? Yeah, but, but, you know, yeah, I don't know. But I, I
1: keep coming back to the question I already asked. Well, if I'm, if I'm Salesforce and I have all this money, I'm Microsoft you know, Dynamics 365, I have all this money that I can invest. Why wouldn't I build this out? But to your point, maybe it's the customer base they're going after, securing that base. But will we buy out?
0: Mm. Apple. Apple what? Apple don't come to the marketplace first with any product software feature ever. They're always a year behind, two years behind, like three or four years behind when it comes to copy and paste on the iPhone. But when they do bring it to market, it's the best. And then everyone goes, oh, what's all this? On? Bullshit everywhere. Everyone else is doing, and they just use <laughs> Apple products. So, so your could,
1: prediction is, your prediction is, if I gather from, if I can infer, and that is that Microsoft or Salesforce will come out with this and bolt it into their platforms. I,
0: well, I, mean, I, would with, I would agree with it'll that. Be, it'll be natively <clears throat> integrated, right? As opposed to sure. um, well, so what so you'd nat- have to do with Outreach or Gong is, you mm-hmm. know, uh, an API, a plugin, and then there's a sales engineer somewhere pulling the hair out, and uh, not to. Pitch Hubspot too much but that's the whole, the whole pitch of the, all the ads we're doing for them at the moment in all of our content is it's all just one code base there's no plugins they're not buying companies they're building stuff and it's all built natively so salesforce you know somewhat similar in well they do buy companies um, but they're buying brands as well like slack so they're getting that brand recognition um but yeah it could just be that these big massive companies are going right let's not try and compete with these startups that might, they might not even be profitable right now Victor they might literally be burning money, and and they will be. They'll have a set runway. Their runway, their runways might be eighteen months, two years. They might be six months. Good point. Good and point. And so, if you're a, if you're a beast like Salesforce, you're just going. I'm just going to watch that runway go down to nothing, and then buy them when they go. Oh shit, we're out of we're out of money because you can't. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with this. You might be more familiar, but it's very it's it looks super bad to have a funding round and then your next funding round for it to be less funding than the round before because your valuation shrinks and your all your investors are pissed off because they've gone backwards they've essentially lost money they've been diluted in the the equity of it yeah. so the only thing you bring that you can do is go bigger 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 and if they're not making money then at some point that bubble bursts and it all goes to shame. Yeah well,
1: it's interesting let's look at let's 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 analyze 200 million or 245 million whatever it is uh, for gong but $200 million, I mean, if you have a large company, you know, your payroll can just get lost real quick, you know, in some of these numbers is what you're saying, right? In other words, when we look at that $200 million, we have to say, well, how much is that as real money that has not been spent already? You know, in other words, uh, you look at their overhead, how big the business is, growing, uh, further investments that they have to make in R&D, whatever it may be. Probably know that two hundred million has already been burnt, well, or maybe that's only another year's worth of runway. We think it's a lot of money, but it may be only another year's worth of runway.
0: I'm just looking so now. Mm. Outreach have 172 job openings right now. Never mind how yeah. many employees they have. So right. that money could just get wiped out.
1: Uh, By the way, put the, those let's, hypothetically. Let's put those 170, 117, or 70.
0: One seven two.
1: 172 let's let's each attach a hundred thousand dollars salary to each of those
0: so I mean, you just kind of run
1: numbers that way right
0: so they've got 910 employees currently that are okay. hiring 172 open positions right now
1: let's call that a thousand people let's mm-hmm. round up let's call it a thousand people at about an average of a hundred thousand dollar salary. You know, I'm not talking about the office space. You know, you know, uh, assets, capital, and all that stuff. That's a lot. That's a lot of overhead.
0: And and that's it's... to stay somewhat stagnant. What you need to yeah. do is rapidly acquire customers. And the only way you can do that at scale, you can't do content marketing at scale, unless you're HubSpot and you've been putting out content for 15 years because they get so much traffic to their blog. It's insane. And you know, Outreach bought, sell, bought Sales Hacker a couple of years ago, SalesHacker.com. Mm. So they understand the, the content marketing play. Yeah. But to rapidly bring on customers you've got mm. to spend cash you've got to, you've got to spend that gotcha. cash
1: you've
0: got to spend one I mean, way, and get two back at some point
1: in, so in fairness in fairness to gong gong has done really a good job as far as content marketing I think they put out a lot of content they, you know Outreach I don't see it. maybe they're doing it but I don't see them as much but gong is constantly just pumping stuff out but when you look at that number and you talk you talk about thousand people you know and you look at the numbers and the cost that number looks a little smaller now doesn't it like a number looks a little smaller. So you know what? I'm going to take it upon myself, Will, to actually study Gong just that much closer. I'm going to give it to a, 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 a scrutinize it a little bit better. And maybe I'll come back and report something in the next two or three weeks. Seriously, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go in and see what are are these investors seeing that maybe we're not seeing? Or maybe we are seeing it accurately. Maybe we know just as much as they do and we can find this out. Hey, by the way, let us know what you think about what's happening with all these funding at thisweekinsales.com. Leave us some feedback or your thoughts. And maybe you want to correct us. I mean, we're not always right. We just try to get it right.
0: I think what we should probably caveat some of this with, because the show has such an insane audience, Victor. I'm slightly humble. I'm being sarcastic and I'll humblebrag humblebrag at the same time. That I don't want to affect the frigging stock price of these companies because those are two idiots who don't really know anything. I, I don't know about you, but no. I don't really know anything about venture capital and, and yeah. the, the decisions that go behind it. And uh, just talking shit about these companies. I don't just, know by the way, we're,
1: we're we're looking at from the outside looking yeah. in. That's the only perspective we have. We're like we got we got we got our faces pressed up against the glass, and we're trying to get the right angle. If you can visualize that, to see what's going on inside. Do why we don't, understand? Why did we Absolutely get someone not. from
0: Gong on the show? Why don't we do a show with someone from Gong or Outreach? I think we'll, so. We'll call them out now.
1: I think yeah. You know what? Do Gong at Outreach. Yeah, let's let's do a mashup. You know, we'll have Gog one time, then we'll have somebody from uh, Outreach one time and they'll say, all right, tell well, us well, we'll, we'll
0: just go through the news. We'll, we'll do the yeah. standard show format and uh, we'll give it a go. That could be an interesting dynamic yeah. and uh, see uh, me and you shooting the shit. And then someone probably sat there with someone from uh, legal and corporate sat <laughs> <you> either side <laughs> of them going, oh crap, what I can't I can't say what I want so, to say. Uh, so that right. might be an interesting dynamic. And,
1: and here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. You, between you and me, we can come up with $100. Right? Think about $100. Between you and I, we could barely scrape by, but we're gonna put together $100, right? And then we're gonna interview both of these companies, and then we're gonna decide how much we would invest of that $100 in each of those companies, hypothetically speaking, of course,
0: to determine who had the better pitch. How's that? I I
1: think it'd be kinda cool.
0: What I'm gonna do is use this as leverage to wangle my way into these companies and- To what? To what? Wangle. Wangle my way in, Victor. (laughs) and then secretly get, get, in, get in on one of these funding rounds and put 50 grand on it and probably make 500 grand out of the far end. None of this $100 okay. nonsense. Let's leverage no, the show uh, and make some money. Why yeah, we, why I was, I was my hypothetical for the $100. audience. By the, way, by the way, like
1: that, we don't get in trouble. Like I said, you know, we're, we're making judgment calls on some of these companies.
0: But yeah, okay, we'll,
1: we'll wangle our way into some of these, wangle? Wangle. Wangle, all right, wangle, all right, cool, got it. Hey, by the way, did you know, that Poise, but we're all about raising money today. <laughs> Poise raises $4.5 million in seed money to improve the world's spoken communication. Hmm. I put this one in there just to kind of mess with you a little bit, as always. So Poise, a company we've never talked about, is the first digital coaching product, Will, to provide actionable, real-time feedback during online meetings. Now, I like this concept. Let me continue, and then let's talk about it. Poise works with Zoom, Slack, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, among other platforms where it sits in the background. Oh, so quietly. And it only records the speech of the person who is using it, which is kind of odd. I would record both sides, just try to get permission. When Poise is turned on, it delivers real-time feedback on various aspects of the user's communication, such as confidence, clarity, energy, and empathy. It analyzes facets such as Use of filler words, enunciation, pace, interruptions provides transcripts with inline suggestions. That's interesting, and provides tips for skill development. Poise was created by co-founder and CEO, uh, co-founder and CEO Charles Hua. Is that how you pronounce that? H U A Hua. That's got to be a cool name to say hi. What's your name, Charles Hua? I'm scared. Who previously held product leadership roles at Amazon Alexa and AWS. That's what Hua says. What do you think
0: of Poise? What do you think of this tool here? So, I love the <laughs> premise, but I interviewed Jim Benton, who is CEO of Chorus.ai, and he said that they've experimented with some real time feedback on the Gone Competitive product, right? And he found from the data, and this was all uh, preliminary at the time, this was like uh, maybe over a year ago that I spoke to him, he found that it was actually really distracting and ruined the conversation because you're Getting an alert saying, "Hey, you're not being energetic enough," and you're like, well, "How can I? <laughs> how can I focus and be energetic and actually listen to the buyer when I'm getting these beeps and these bongs and these emojis pop up on the screen?" Um, so maybe retrospectively, it'd be useful. This could be really useful in a a sales training scenario where perhaps we're doing role plays. Maybe even better, th- this might be a product, another product that we've just invented and come up with on this week in sales, Victor maybe you could hire whether it's actors whether it's buyers from the industry but you're not actively selling to them but they're on these calls uh, responding as if they would if you were uh, selling to them and then you go do two or three of these calls and you get feedback you go away automated feedback you go away you work on your sales skills you come back and you get a score and you try and beat that score the next week or the week after so you're doing I like that role plays like with it. real people but you're not ruining all of your potential customers and burning through them with your crappy sales skills. You're practicing on industry, uh, pe- people who would be in your industry, perhaps. Uh, this could be done over a mobile app. It seems dead simple. You just do every week, you do one or two of these voice calls and your sales manager, your sales leader just wants to see the overall score go up and up and up. And you pay uh, the, the experts or, or you, you pay the potential buyers in your space, just an hourly rate to just on a Tuesday night, sit through five or six sales pitches and um, and uh, they can give their feedback and then you get feedback from the app as well. That seems like a, a useful case for this kind of technology.
1: Uh, you, by the way, great points, uh, especially the part about it's distracting. Cause I think it is, I mean, we, we can't, I mean, we Imagine we're doing we,
0: this now, right? And then right. I get, I get, I've got this like energy like number on the side of the screen that's going uh, energy energy meter. Yeah, a it's little going, energy, you're going a little energy. everybody arms waving. And <laughs> yeah. then it's like tiny, it's just going cool. Or used just in your yeah. ear. You know, it's like feedback uh, at, like uh, you've you've done this with your, your T V gigs and that. That's and you've got exactly a producer in your ear way. saying, Chill the frick out. You're you're scaring yeah. the, the kids watching this. Um, it was it, hard
1: by the way. It's hard. They're in your ear. Yeah. And you're trying to talk, and, and then you're trying to listen mm-hmm. to be able to respond, and somebody's in your ear. It becomes very difficult. And we've learned that we're not good at multitasking. We're most like task switching. And so this is going to add to the poor attention span and listening to the customers to really get into their headspace. So I agree. The interruption piece, I think, is big. But I like the uh, the... The, what you're talking about is the post meeting, whether it's transcriptions with feedback. I think that's a great idea. I think it, that's where I would put some of my money to find out what's going on.
0: I, I would go even further. I would call mm. it the Pavlov chair, Victor. The every Pavlov time you say chair. something stupid, it gives you a shock on your ass. Yeah. So you're sat there, and there's no distractions. You say something stupid. You, oh god! So it uh, might not work on a video because you're just gonna be like freaking out on the camera. It might only work yeah. on audio calls. But the well, Pavlov read, chair. The,
1: the Pavlov. Uh, I don't know about that, but that sounds a little, <laughs> just not right, man, not right. Uh, unless you're, you're, you're masochistic and you kind of like that, you just keep messing up on purpose. I, I was gonna tell you that that in my book, the Sales Ex Machina book, I talk about a company called Effectiva that actually looks at facial expressions to tell you whether somebody's in the game or not in the game. But again, to your point, I think this would be better analyzed after the fact. And it, just like football players and baseball players, you watch the, the, the video and to see what those things were. And then to have the transcripts there to kind of go with it. So I think that'd be a good way of doing it.
0: Yeah, or, or it could be we're in a team scenario. You know, perhaps we get on really well with a team. We mm. we feel fine being criticized and critiqued by our team kind of We're building together. Um, maybe you you do a call and the rest of the team can see the real-time feedback. And you have almost like a, an interrogation, right? Where you've got the, the one-way glass. The salesperson's engaging with the buyer. You have the rest of the team sat back behind the one-way glass with the expert sales, internal sales trainer, sales leadership, wherever it is, and you've got the feedback and then they're doing some coaching on a call. And then you take it in turns and you go back and forth. And um, it's obviously the feedback for yourself is more valuable and is going to shape your behavior quicker, but being able to see your peers do well, do poorly, that's going to, even if it's in your subconscious, that's going to plant seeds and change your behavior, perhaps a little bit more slowly, but that might be an option here as well.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you got me thinking about how people do that. Like there's this guy, I forgot his name. All he does is when, when a politician is talking, uh, people have a dial like, you know, BS, I believe you. BS, I believe you. And it's like a very analog way of doing it. And it's very dynamic as they're rotating the knob. Don't believe you, believe you, like, don't like. And I'm wondering if that would be something in the future that if we can kind of get you know people to just observe sales pitches and do that, that would be quite a valuable service, wouldn't it?
0: So they've done this with of... functional MRI. So it's obviously not convenient right. for anyone and incredibly expensive. <laughs> they've done yeah. it with politicians, and they did it with Trump, right. and they just took a load of his speeches and got you know obviously political people's political affiliation, cognitive biases, all these kind of biases come into all of this, which is why it's difficult to study. But they put these individuals in fM functional MRI machines, fMRI machines and the study them. And you can very clearly tell the difference in, you, in your brain activity when you're engaged, when you have empathy with someone, which shows that you, you, you're understanding and believing them versus when you're resentful, when you're angry, when you're going towards the, this is going to, any neuroscientist listening to this now is going to be trying to blow their own head off. But when you're more towards like the primal brain, that's when you are cautious, when your fight or flight response is coming in and you believe that you're being lied to. And um, so you can literally, it's not... Because when you're using a dial, it's subjective, right? You, you go, well, what's, what's the person next to me? What are they doing? Or how is this going to make me look if I don't believe this or that? Whereas when you're doing FMRI scans, you don't get a choice. It, it's just happening to you. Right,
1: right. And and by the way, you're, you're absolutely right. Is that between your brain and your hand, there is a delay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that delay is filtered You don't, yeah. or a response is filtered. So you're absolutely right. But anyway, I think it'd be kind of interesting.
0: Well, talking about filtering, Victor. Let's move on to culture corner, and I'll get your I'll get your opinion on this as well. But this is an article from the Guardian, and I thought it was a good fit for culture corner because at that HubSpot event I spoke at the other day, I had to filter myself and not swear. Now, I quite like it when there's a little bit of swearing within content, where appropriate. You know, I'm not going to drop the the F bomb every two seconds because um, it's just annoying and it, it's it doesn't it doesn't have an impact. But if I drop Shit or bugger or whatever, in every now and again, it can you can use it as a tool. Have you seen the um, Tony Robbins documentary? It's on Netflix.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not my guru, I'm not yeah. your guru, something like that. Yeah.
0: So, because he shocked me and he talks about it in the documentary, he swears all the time when he's speaking to people at these big events because he's people aren't used to hearing him swear and so they go, oh crap, and they're really listening to them. When someone's telling you to F off to your face, but it's coming from you know, a good place and he's trying to change their behavior, he uses it as a tool. So this article was at theguardian.com, swearing on the rise, but parents still don't want kids hearing it, this report finds. And it's going through a, a study of a thousand people, kind of not a lot of data, a reasonable amount. Six in 10 people say strong language, such as the F word is part of their daily lives. And there's a bunch of data points here, but some that I thought was really interesting was that there's a generational divide when it comes to swearing, with 46% of Generation Zs, people born after 1996, saying that they frequently use strong language. And this compares with only 12% of people aged between 55 and 64. So my question to you, Victor, and there's other data points here, which we come back to in a second, perhaps. Is it appropriate in the modern B2B selling marketplace? And the answer is, it depends, obviously. But on the whole, is it appropriate to swear for impact or to emphasize a point or because sometimes swearing is fun.
1: First of all, I agree with the data thus far, like even the generational gap. I agree with all. So I I really believe this data. The answer is yes. I actually, as much as I don't like to hear it, I don't mind hearing it when there is, it's in context, impact, and there's a sense of frustration. Like when somebody just goes, uh shit and you feel you you feel that like that angst you go oh that, that was a necessary one <laughs> like it's like sneezing you can't mm-hmm. hold that in that baby had to come out what i don't like is gratuitous swearing i think tony robbins has moved into a space of gratuitous swearing i saw that in the uh, you're not my guru i saw him the first time i heard him swear was he did a uh, ted talk and he swore but it, it was it the, the video I'm talking about is a TED Talk and Al Gore's in the front row. That's all I remember you know, sure. as far as, and it was like he was wearing a casual jacket and he was, you know, he would drop an F-bomb here and there, but it was like refreshing because it felt like it was coming from that place. When I saw the documentary, uh, I'm Not Your Guru, by the way, great documentary, I thought Uh, I was like, ah, come on, pull back, man. Like, enough. You know what I mean? It's like Gary Vaynerchuk. It's like, come on, pull back. I I don't need to hear it every other sentence. And a lot of people have tried to mimic that style.
0: Have you watched any of the uh, Formula One documentary series on um, Netflix?
1: No. In fact, I looked at one the other day. I was going to watch it. I forgot which one it was. Amazing,
0: amazing series. Start from the beginning. Okay, so what.
1: Okay, okay, four, Okay. got it. I will do that.
0: So, something that I pulled and, and my partner pulled from uh, that series. So, my partner has no interest in Formula One, no interest in, in motorsports. She loved the documentary series because it's all full of backstabbing and all the relationships, all the stuff going on behind oh, the scenes. I love it. I love that. I love that. It's, I love honestly, that. it's amazing content, great series. Um, And something that she took away from it and I took away from it was that these high power individuals, and it, you know it's a bit of a boys' club. There's there's, there's only one... I think she stepped down now. Uh, the Claire Williams was the she's in the first, I've just ruined part of the first season for you. Uh, she she stepped down uh, as a CEO or manager director of Williams. Uh, so other than Claire, it's pretty much a boys' club. So that mm. might kind of uh, dictate some of this. But they all swear all of the time, like nonchalantly. But you don't see this in the in the formal Formula One coverage. So it was a real shock to me when I saw all these essentially power players in a multi-billion-dollar sport all effing and blinded each other all the time, and so that made me ponder: is that something that happens at a high level of yes? When, when the cameras yeah. are off, is that how I get, high power I individuals I, communicate?
1: I guess I should have contextualized my answer. Is that when you're when I, I was I was giving my answer from a public speaking standpoint? Sure that if I hear somebody swear, it's like, okay, that came from a place where they needed to do that, right? But when I was doing that show, Life or Dead, uh, my wife said, I came back swearing like a sailor, <laughs> like, because that's that's California, West Coast, That that's how they talked. And they were very unfiltered, right? So when I came back to Georgia, which is a very different culture, very Southern, very, you know, uh, more politeness, my wife's like, uh, you need to pull back, because you're like swearing more than usual. And she had to highlight for me, so I had to pull that gear back but there is something and i bet you there's a study out there that i've noticed that when i connect with somebody sometimes it's through a cuss word like shit. do you know and i you know i'll say i apologize they're like no no no, go ahead i use them all the time and then they feel comfortable then they just start dropping bombs but they're not doing it gratuitous so th- there is something to be said about common language if you go to the east coast like you talk to uh, a sales trainer we both know john barrels right i mean that's an east coast boy do you know what i mean it's really easy to talk to him because everything goes off the rails real quick and the conversation is direct and blunt so i'm not surprised at what you saw is my the short answer you know i'm not surprised at what you saw at all i've been around executives at the c-suite level oh they curse like sailors also once they're comfortable with you once you're past that certain facade
0: Sure. So, so there's a level of, of emotional intelligence here. There's a, a level of common sense. If you're if you're wearing a three thousand dollar suit, way. right, and you are going point. into HSBC to close some massive loan uh, or financial deal, mm. maybe you're not dropping the f bomb in the boardroom. Correct.
1: Yeah. But I mean, then you go outside. I'm, I'm glad you highlighted emotional intelligence. Well done. The because I think that's that's the trick. I think that's the short answer, really. You have to have that emotional intelligence. To go not here. But if we're celebrating after the deal is closed. Then you can just drop an f bomb, like yeah, you know, and just whatever, and celebrate. And people go, but again, I mean, some states here in the U.S. are very conservative. If you move up into the Midwest, very conservative. If you move a little bit over to like the Nebraska area, a little conservative. You kind of want to, you kind of want to gauge the other person how they move sure. before you drop anything. So yeah, it's probably the same over there.
0: Amazing stuff. Well, from going from dropping apologizing for dropping f bombs, Victor tells us about Fastly apologizing for what they got up to. Fastly
1: apologizes for outage, breaks down bug that hobbled major website. I just thought, I, this is a short one here. Well, for some reason, okay, Fastly, website goes down. Here's what they say. In a blog post Tuesday, Nick Roswell, Fastly Senior Vice President of Engineering at Infrastructure, said an, quote, undiscovered software bug, unquote, was triggered by routine activity by a single customer. The San Francisco company said it detected the disruption within one minute, to their credit, restored service to 95% of the network within 49 minutes. What about the other 5%? They never answered that question. I'm just saying, how is it possible that one customer who changed the setting took down a whole network? You know, I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And apparently their stock went up. And I'm like, what? So I, I don't understand what's going on. But anyway, so this is what happened this week that I thought was just interesting because I, I was like, really? One the, customer took it HubSpot down. The
0: HubSpot event went down in the middle of it. And it was because- really? It's all built on Google Cloud and Google Cloud went down. The BBC went down, PayPal went down, eBay went down, all these insanely big brands that must have, you probably know more about this, uh, the engineering side of things on the back end of the telecommunications industry. They must have all kinds of, you know, backup systems, it all went down because Google Cloud went down.
1: I mean, well, that's the thing. If a lot of these websites, a lot of these companies have a lot of mirror sites. And so that's, so how can it, I don't know how it took it down. If you have all these mirror sites, which are running, you know, what we call redundancy, how did this happen? How did this happen? Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting culture point for this week. One person decided to t- change some settings and took a network down. Have love you seen
0: it. Victor? I'm, I'm trying to find. I don't think it's called zero day. It's in a documentary on Netflix. I'll link it to the show notes to this episode over at thisweekinsales.com. But do you know what a zero day exploit is? No. So a zero day exploit, without going too far into it, because some of the audience are going to love this, some of them will be yeah. bored out of their minds, yeah. is a exploit that beats antivirus software, beats any system updates from uh, iOS, from macOS, from from Windows, because they've The exploits have been found and not shared with Microsoft, not shared with Apple ahead of time. So most exploits get found by these security companies and then Apple, Google, whoever Microsoft pays these organizations to find exploits. They can patch them ahead of time and they go out. Hmm. This documentary, I don't think it's called Zero Days. I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, I like to watch it. It is scary, Victor. It is scary. It talks about uh, the, I think it was the NSA basically had a backdoor to everybody's Windows computer for like five years. They found this zero-day exploit and they didn't tell Microsoft about it. Microsoft found out about it at a later date themselves and patched it, but they had access to everyone's data, all these computers, whether they did anything with it, who knows. Um, but the NSA found these uh, backdoors. There were backdoors, I won't ruin the documentary, but two key infrastructure in the US, these zero-day exploits have been found and it's insane. It's so... I We've watched a documentary and I was, I was scared at the end of it, genuinely. All
1: right, all right. I put that in show notes. And by the way, speaking of documentaries, uh, I'm going to go up the intellectual ladder on you a little bit because I'm a little highbrow like that. And so I just finished watching a documentary.
0: If this is anything to do with the royal family, I'm out. I'm literally hanging no, up. I'm out of here. No,
1: no royal family. I watched a documentary on Pink, the artist. Just came out. Okay. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'd I watched the Amy Winehouse documentary a few months back and this pink documentary came up it was actually pretty good by the way it was actually you get you get insight by the way it, it, it was a mother it was more a for from a mother trying to raise her kids while on the road and it was really fascinating you know so anyway I didn't realize pink was that I mean I uh you know i knew pink was big i didn't realize she was that big but i thought the her story about how she's trying to do this while being an artist was really fascinating so anyway like I said, I just thought I'd increase the IQ value on this spot. You've, yes,
0: you've literally bit. just reduced the IQ of everyone listening. There's a whole bunch of people that are on the borderline of Mensa who are now yeah. just average, I, yeah. average IQ individuals. There's a bunch of people listening listen to this video. Pink? They're driving along. The IQ just dropped that much. that They're now in a tree. <laughs> you've ruined people's lives on the back of that documentary you've just shared. I'm sorry,
1: but I'm, tr- I'm trying to find the title of the documentary. Don't bother. Nobody cares. Uh, Nobody's going to watch uh, it. Uh, Our audience do not care about So pink. far. By the way, pink, all I know so far. Great documentary. See, I want to let people know of my ability to go from AI to pink. The the range that I have when it comes to just understanding live culture and science.
0: I don't know what to say. <laughs> you didn't buy that. Don't know, I don't know what to say. Well, let's move on to audience questions and we'll wrap things up with this. This is a question right. that came in on LinkedIn from my man Huang, who asks, What questions. Oh. Huang. Who? He's Wang. a Chinese gentleman, so I might be Oh you said you said my
1: man. No, I thought you said his first name was Mama.
0: No, my man. Said,
1: <laughs> my dude. My man. My dude. My the old legend. Boy. My, Huang. Oh, my man Huang. Okay.
0: Who asked the question? What question should I ask a founder as I'm being interviewed for his first sales hire? This person's going into Huang is going into a startup he is is back i know from cuz i went on his profile his background is complex high value b2b sales in uh, in your background in the telecommunications industry um he's hiring he's going to be the first sales hire at a startup victor what does he need to ask the founder to make sure i guess that the the roles are a good fit for him
1: yeah i don't think he should ask any i mean yeah ask questions but here's what the founder wants to hear what's your 90 day plan especially if you're just starting what's your 90 day plan and if you say look here's I've done some thinking about your market. Here's what i found. In the first 30 days, I'm going to do this. Next 30 days, eh, and I'm hoping da, 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 that. And then that would be the launching point of a discussion with the founder. Because they need to raise money. They need to make sales. Give them a 90-day roadmap of how you're going to do it, how you're going to approach it. asked for feedback. And I think that's the conversation they want to have.
0: I wouldn't. I literally won because it was so competitive. My first medical device sales role on the back of building a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Now, the plan itself was nonsense because I had no idea what I was talking about because I never sold it in the medical device market before. Uh, but they loved the initiative that I went to and the detail that I went to in that plan. Um, so I literally got that first role. I had two hiring managers sat in the room, literally fighting over me on the back of that plan. Um, so uh, amazing advice.
1: But by the way, the uh, I think it's worth noting and you're kind of highlighting this indirectly, that people are hiring for attitude or motivation, not for skill set. I mean, skill sets are important, but that's what they're looking for. Does this person have the right attitude, the right, you know, that right, let me go get some business. Because then they're they're thinking, we can train them. We can train him or her, you know, but if they have the right attitude, because you can't, the attitude piece, that drive piece is so hard to find. And I think maybe that's what they saw in you.
0: Do you think, Victor, and this is, I've pondered on a bunch of Ideas like this that would be incredible content. It would be expensive to produce, but would be um, like transformative content for either myself, you, like a brand and organization. Do you think if I paid for it all, there's a film crew following you around, you jump into a company, there is three new starters. Do you think that, and you get to choose one of the three? So I'm putting the odds in your favor. Do you think that you could train the average new graduate in a graduate sales role? to become an absolute quota crusher in a period of like a couple of months or so?
1: I would say yes. Now, I would juxtapose that with saying no, that if you said, what if you were to work with somebody who was already in the industry? I go, I don't know, because they're probably setting their ways. The, the great thing about working with new people coming into an industry is they don't know what they don't know. And if you just give them a roadmap they're like, just tell me what you want me to do. Great, that's all I need to hear. Here's what I need you to do, go. And if we find the one with the right attitude, I think you got it made.
0: Do you think that would be an interesting piece of content for salespeople to watch? Someone go from literally zero, hopefully, to hero.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually had this idea a while, like, uh, I don't know, five years ago. Uh, I, I had this concept called sales boss, not joking. It was called sales boss. And really, how do you take, I was gonna go into a company, right? And say, give me your salespeople. Let me train them. Let me follow them around, whatever it may be, and watch me grow your sales. I thought that would be a good idea or a good concept for a reality show. So I agree. Yeah. The answer is this. So I want to do the opposite
0: of that. And I never got... So if Mm. you're listening to this right now, and you're in the UK Mm. around Leeds, because I don't have time to travel, Mm. I would be well up for this. I will go into people following with cameras, which was the hang up with the few organizations that I talked to about potentially doing this. And they're all in London. So it would have meant loads of time away from the office. I will go into your company and I will either crush it or I will look like a right dick and look like an idiot and completely fail. I'm happy to do both because you know it's a learning experience either way, right? I will go into your company, I will do what I will sell helicopters one week, I will sell SaaS software the next week, I will sell farm animal manicure, whatever nonsense the next week. I think that'd be a really cool reality TV show as well of just watching. It doesn't have to be me, but you know, with my, I thought I could do it energetically. I thought I could do it humbly. And sometimes you'd win, sometimes you'd fail and do it in a short period of time how and then you could talk about the industry um you could get really granular on the, the company the company would get a mm-hmm. ton of pr and exposure out of it sure um i think that'd be <clears throat> I, I've, I've wanted to do that for years and that's years that's a great idea i i like that
1: that's a great idea well yeah. you know uh putting aside the whole you know manicures for farm animals putting that aside uh i think it's a good idea though i, li- I like the concept I like I like the twist because you're right. There's a lot of benefits to the company, gets more exposure. But if you can talk about the industry, because that's the other thing, right? You can train somebody, but if if, if the context isn't right, they don't have the right business model, they don't have the right product for the market, they're out, you know, the, the competitors are out competing them, and then it's you're not going to sell no matter who you are.
0: And and the right? whole premise would be <clears throat> me or you know, whoever is the, the, the main person the show is built around is thrown in the deep end. The odds are stacked against you. So hopefully you win. But if you fail, it's still entertaining as well. that That's the, yeah. the premise of it all.
1: And the stress of it all. I like the idea. Yeah. I like the idea. Yeah. On thisweekinsales.com, go and contact Will Barrett if you are up for this social experiment. I think it's a good idea, man. Yeah. I, I think it's a fun idea, actually.
0: And, and genuinely, if you're in the Yorkshire area here in the UK, and the, the hang up when I've done this and had these conversations with a few larger brands that we talk about on the show all the time in the sales space, was they didn't want cameras in uh, the office. They, they, they weren't comfortable with it being real. And if it's not real, if it's just me going in, doing pretty good and coming out, then there's no entertainment value there. I want to be stressed. Yeah. I want to be confused. I want to have to learn a ton of stuff very quickly and talk about the science of, uh, you know, knowledge acquisition and all that side of things as well. Um, that That's what would make the show interesting, I think.
1: Yeah. Having done a reality show, one of the things I, I observed is that what people say off camera is one thing then what they say on camera is another thing. So there's this artificial element to it when you add a camera that, you know, you might have to deal with. But I love the idea, though.
0: Cool. Well, again, if you're in the Yorkshire area here in the UK, you're happy to have cameras in the office. You get a ton of publicity about it. Um, do drop us a message, and Victor will be the executive producer and point me. In. Victor will be in my ear via the power of Skype, kind of directing me. Say this, uh, yeah. do this. And I'll look like a beast, and it's just Victor. <laughs> and uh, Victor kind of guided me. What do not that? use the word wangle. Do yeah. not use the no, word wangle. Nobody understands what you're saying. <laughs> uh, Victor, anything else to add before we wrap up, mate? Uh,
1: No, we got the Outbound Conference coming up next week. Super excited. I'm going to do something different this year. Did I tell you what I was going to do in the Outbound? We can wrap this up real quick. Uh Just one minute explanation. So I'm going to do something that's never been done in the world speaking before on that stage. And I'm not going to spoil it, but I will come back with video. And I've never seen anybody do this, Will. I'm about to try, attempt it. Let me tell you how scared I am that I've already written out the presentation. I'm actually writing out notes for myself, which I rarely do because I want to get this right. More to come after next week. Does it involve nudity? It does not. <laughs> Thank God. But uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be interesting. I'll keep you posted on it. Uh, but I will have a, like, we'll try to get some video of it. But it is very different. It is. I am going to take my improv skills, my theater skills, tie it with my speaking skills, and maybe, you know, and if you know who Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, is, I'm a gafficanize it. And that's all I'm going to tell you. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be really interesting. And where can we find the conference, Victor? Uh, outboundconference.com. By the way, you can sign up virtually. So again, go to outboundconference.com, use the code Victor100 to get a little discount. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a
0: great event. Looking forward to it amazing stuff. Well, I'll link to that. Everything else that we talked about on this episode of the show in the show notes over thisweekinsales.com. That is Victor, sales legend. My name is Will Barron, founder of salesman.org. And that was This Week in Sales...